0: Well, folks, I think it was the summer of 1978 or 79. I should have, should have called my mom and asked. But uh, that, that was the summer that my parents put my, my sisters and me in the, uh, in the gray station wagon there. And we drove to Dighton, Kansas. I'm sure you're familiar with Dighton. No, not really? Well, you, 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 could, you couldn't possibly. I, I, after having been there, I can't imagine anybody even in Kansas knows where Dighton, Kansas is happens to be. That's, that's our, that's like our homestead. Uh, now, I normally thought of our family as being from, from Loveland, Colorado, but uh, my grandfather, Roy Hahn, was actually born in Dighton, Kansas. His father uh, in the 1800s, Thomas, uh, my great-grandfather, came over from, uh, from Germany and, and homesteaded there in Dighton, Kansas. And it is, it, it is, small-town America is too big. That's too big to describe Dighton, Kansas. It is uh, just this little tiny farming community. I'm I'm sure you've seen some of these traveling down the road. I mean, there was a Dairy Queen, uh, a very cheap, cheap, nasty motel. Uh, I know that by personal experience. Uh, there was a, a gas station, uh, a little grocery store, a post office. And, and there was like one row of houses that way. And there was one row of houses that way. And, and everybody else was out, out, out on a farm somewhere. And that's, man, that's all this place was. There was nothing to go to Dighton, Kansas to see. Except maybe Uncle's Hughes Farm. And I, I doubt that would do much for you. That's what amazes me though, is to see such this little nothing place this wide spot in the road, and to think that the very Son of God was born right there in Dighton, Kansas. Right? I thought, it was, I thought it was Bethlehem. Well, folks, that's what Bethlehem was. Bethlehem is a Dighton, Kansas. It is just little shepherding community. Nobody went there. Nobody needed to go there. Nobody wanted to go there. Let me tell you how small Bethlehem is. Even the fact that the greatest king in the history of Israel, David, was born there meant nothing. <laughs> Not even that made it worth going out and seeing. It's, it's just a little shepherding community. One of these little towns, even the people who live there don't know it's there. Can you believe it was that kind of place that the story of the Son of God began? The story of Jesus began there in Bethlehem. And I'm, I'm sure that added to the confusion as people are talking about this guy, as people are trying to figure out who this guy is, and you know, maybe they'd heard him preach or heard about something that he said. Maybe they'd seen a miracle or heard about a miracle. For most people, they'd just seen him from a distance and they're, they're trying to figure out who, who is this guy? And knowing that that question is running around out there, Jesus is talking with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and, and he says to them, hey... When you're out and about, when you go to town for food, who, who are you hearing people say that I am? Well, man, they jump on the question right away because they they've been hearing the stories. they have been hearing the rumors and they said, oh, Jesus, man, these, these people think you're Jeremiah or John the Baptist or, or Elijah. Now, you know what those three guys have in common? They're dead. I mean, folks, have you ever been trying to figure out who somebody was? Oh, he's a dead person. I mean, the stories about Jesus are so big, they can't make a rumor big enough to fit them. And they're trying to figure this out. And, and so they're talking about that. And then Jesus kind of, I would imagine he brings the conversation to a stop and he says, well, guys, who do you say I am? And so that's a different question for them. I mean, all these out there talking, most of them, it was a brief interaction with Christ. They'd seen him. They'd heard about him. Man, these guys have been walking with him day in and day out. Who who do you believe I am? You know what Peter said there. You're the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Jesus doesn't hesitate for a second. He responds to Peter and He says, And Peter, on that confession, on that confession of what you believe, I will build My church. Matthew 16, that's the first place that we see the word church. That's the first place in the New Testament that that is introduced to us. What is the church? A building? No. Is it a verb? It's activities that we do. You know, we're going to do church this morning. No. No, man, the church is a body of people who are banking their whole life, their eternal life, on this idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Now, we fast forward a little bit Jesus gets arrested, He gets crucified, He is resurrected. He then spends approximately six weeks appearing to people. Over 500 eyewitnesses at different places and times saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. 500 gave testimony that I saw Him with my eyes. And now we see Jesus then in Acts chapter 1 ascend into heaven. And then in Acts chapter 2, we have Peter now step out and preach his first sermon. And that first sermon is based on that simple confession of faith. Jesus is the Messiah. Let's look at that sermon and see what happens in Acts chapter 2. We see there, Acts chapter 2, it's a long sermon. Boy, if you got your Bible open, you say, man, is he going to read that whole thing? No, I'm not. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read just a a few verses out of it. Go back to Matthew chapter 16 in your mind. And Jesus said, on that confession, I'm going to build my church. And now we're going to watch that church come to life. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man pointed out to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. Just as you yourselves know, obviously some of the people that, that Peter is preaching to, they saw the miracles, they heard his teachings, they saw the signs that he has done. Verse 23, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verse 32, God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. There was over 500. Over 500 gave testimony to that. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty... That God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. There is that confession of faith again that that Jesus said he was going to build his church. Except now when Peter makes that confession of faith, it is anchored in the rock solid evidence of the resurrection. Boy, if you're not going to believe the resurrection, you got to answer the question, why are you denying the eyewitness of over 500 people? Why would they have lied about that? Most of them were killed because of that testimony and that faith. They gained nothing by saying, I've seen the resurrected Lord. So why would you deny the, the eyewitness testimony of over 500? So there's that confession of faith that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on that. Let's see what happened. Look at verse 37. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? That should be your question this morning. God, what must I do to know you, to be saved, to be forgiven of sins, to have eternal life, to to have a relationship with the living son of God? What must we do? Verse 38, repent. Simple word means turn. Turn from self. Turn from sin. Turn from your faith and your good works. Turn from your faith and your religiosity. Because none of it covers your sin. Turn from yourself, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins. Forgiveness is in Jesus. He is our confidence and our hope. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all, I love this phrase, for all who are far off. Do you feel far away from God today? Do you feel like you've done something that makes you too far from God? He says right here, his promise for you is not too far off. As many as our Lord, our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. What a word for our generation today. Be saved out of this verse 41 So those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3000 people were added to them and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers Now I want you to notice something there folks it says that about 3000 were added to them Notice there is a them There is an identified group of people who is that group it's the church If you went back and read Acts chapter 1, you would see that it is about 120 people. It's not saying there's only 120 people in the church. There's only 120 in Jerusalem. There was 120 at that time, at that moment, right there at the birth. There was 120 who had confessed their faith in Christ. That's the them. And to them was added what? 3,000 souls in one day. That's not a bad message, is it? 3,000% 3,000% growth in one day. 3,000. Now, if there was 3,000, that means somebody was adding and recording this, wasn't there? 1, 2, 3, 4, five, seven, 8, 9, 27, 8, three, 27, eight 4, 27, eight, 5, 27. Somebody was adding that up. Somebody was recording because these 3,000 needed to be added to the them. And the them at the end of this day after being baptized was now 3,120 something. That was now a part of the church. And notice that word devoted. A simple word. It says they were devoted. The the 3,000 joined the 120 and now this 3,120 and something were devoted. They were devoted to certain activities that they would do together. Certain activities that would help them grow in this confession of faith they had just made. Certain activities that would help them help each other. Certain activities that would help them share this confession of faith. They were devoted. Folks, that word devoted has the mindset of a formality, doesn't it? I mean, when you, when you think, what are you devoted to? When you say, man, I'm devoted to this. Man, you, you, you've identified with that. People know you've identified with that. You're committed to it. It shows up in your wallet. It shows up on your calendar. It, it, when you're devoted to something, it's there. There's a formalities. There's a commitment. So folks, clearly when those 3,000 became a part of the 120, God's idea is that we join that we're committed, that it's formal, that it's purposeful in what we do when we come together. It's God's will that we join His church and that the word devoted could be used to describe that activity that we have with the church. You know, folks, there's certainly room for finding a church you walk into a church, you visit it, you get to know it. It's beliefs, it's people, it's what it's doing, where it's going. And, and you decide, is this place me? Are, are these people me? But your purpose when you walk in there is to discover that. I would even add to a certain degree, as soon as possible. I'm trying to figure out if this is the place. Because if it's not, then I need to move, move and start all over again in another church. Finding out, is this the place? Because God wants me connected to His people. God wants me to be a part of a church family and be devoted to them. You know, in our church, you join our church in in one of three ways. You join by statement. When, When you come by statement, you're saying, I have professed my faith, confessed my faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I was baptized by immersion as a believer. But the church I did that in doesn't exist anymore. Or, or the church that I did that in, well, my memory of that doesn't exist anymore. I don't remember where. That was a long time ago in my life. I, I don't remember where my membership is. Then you're joining the church by statement. You're saying these things are true. My membership was somewhere, but, but you're not going to be able to get that. Another way people join is by letter. Same thing. I have confessed my faith in Christ. I have been baptized as a believer and my membership is at that church. And we request your letter or your membership from that church. And they send that letter here. And now you're a member here. Others leave our church and go to other churches. Or move to another state. And they join with the church. And they send for their letter. And we send that letter, that membership there. And then the third way is by baptism. This is somebody who in the course of the morning, or maybe just this past week, has said, you know what? I've just come to understand that Jesus Christ... Died on the cross for my sins. I've come to understand I can place my faith and trust for, in Him for forgiveness and, and for eternal life. And I've confessed that faith and now I want to follow Him in believer's baptism. That's joining the church by baptism. Because every time I look in the New Testament when people are joining the church, they're coming through that front door of Baptism. Now we do have some who come forward for baptism who did not become a believer this morning or this past week or a couple weeks ago. It might have been years ago. But maybe they were in a church that that didn't require believer's baptism. They were baptized as an infant and so now they're coming for believer's baptism and to follow Him in that way. So we have all these different ways, but boy, there's a key word in one of them. That's baptism, right? They have followed the Lord in believers' baptism. They say, boy, you guys sure make a lot out of that word baptism. Well, it is on the sign out front. But you know, I'd like to think that it's not just our church or a certain denomination that decided to make a lot out of it. I'd like to think we're making a lot out of it because that's what God did. Boy, there's no doubt, folks, that word, that word baptism is a big, big deal in church history. Whole denominations have been formed and divided over that water up there. When are we to be baptized? How are we to be baptized? And, and, and churches have come up, denominations have come up with their different ideas, their, their different answers to that question, and, and, and separated over it. What's interesting about this topic versus some of the others? Because don't we have a tendency to say, oh, you know, I mean, every church interprets that differently. Oh, they, that church interprets this verse that way, or that church interprets the verse this other way. What's interesting about baptism, though, is it's not really a scriptural debate. What, what brought about the different forms of baptism was not, how do you interpret this verse? It was ideas and discussions and debates that happened above and beyond Scripture, outside of Scripture. I got a crazy idea. Let's just go back to Scripture. Instead of dividing up into our different camps of what we think, let's just go back to what God said because honestly, folks, he's pretty clear and he's pretty consistent and he's pretty repetitive over this idea of baptism. Let's just let God speak on it because he seems to have made it a big deal. Let's start with the example that God gives us. Would you look with me at Matthew chapter 3? Go back to the left a couple of books. Where are we last? In Acts go John, Luke, Mark, Matthew. Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. We're going to look at the example that God gives us in baptism. Chapter 3 verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, are you kidding me? Really? What? No, no, I'm not going to baptize you. You ought to be baptizing me. Verse 15, Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness is just a big fancy word, folks. It means this is the right thing to do. You baptizing me, that's the right thing to do. Verse 16, after Jesus was baptized... He went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, I take delight in him. Well, can you just imagine being John the Baptist and, and Jesus approaches you? Now folks, at this moment, this is the, the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Very few know who he is. I don't even know how many that would be. I mean, obviously Mary, his mom, she's got a pretty good idea, doesn't she? There's Mary, clearly John the Baptist. I, I don't know who I would add to that. I mean, there is maybe just five, six, I don't know how many people that would say, I know who this guy is, but clearly John the Baptist does. And as John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, he's thinking, no, man, there's no way. Now, now you know, John the Baptist could have a sense of privilege here, couldn't he? What a privilege to baptize the Son of God. I mean, it's going to look good on the resume, isn't it? I oh, see, 19, i the Son of God. Uh... But whatever sense of privilege might have been felt there was completely overwhelmed by a sense of unworthiness. And who, who am I? I shouldn't, I shouldn't be... But Jesus stops him and says, listen, it's the right thing to do. Now, that's where I stop and I write the word, why? Why is that the right thing to do? I, I, has Jesus been forgiven of his sins and now he's coming in a ceremony to demonstrate that? No, because he has no sins. Was Jesus lost and He was saved this we know He was never lost. So why is it the right thing to do? Because folks, Jesus is about to begin His public ministry and that entire public ministry is about one thing, calling you and calling me to come follow Him. I want you to follow me. I want you to imitate me. I want you to do what I did. And folks, a lot of us in this room, we've given our lives to doing that, haven't we? We've given our lives to following Christ. I believe most of us would say in here, and it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that in our mind. Hard to do it in our heart. Hard to do it with our feet. Hard to do it out in front of people. But look at what Jesus has done in baptism. He has created a place, a starting line, if you will, that's just as simple as it could be. So as you and I are, are working out this concept, this idea of a life that will follow Christ, the first step, Jesus showed me what the first step was right here. How easy is that? I go through those waters of baptism and I do just what Jesus did. I, it'll be a challenge as I come up out of these waters to keep doing that. But right here, I did exactly what Jesus did. Now notice a couple of things about baptism. Notice it says that he immediately, he came up out of the water. Now, I'm not a physicist, but I believe it's very difficult to come up out of the water unless you have first gone down into the water. Are you with me? I know this is science and everything. I don't want to go too fast. Yeah, if you're going to come up from the water, you have got to have gone down into the water. And then note the second thing. It's a Holy Trinity party. Folks, what an amazing thing we're witnessing right here. Jesus, the Son of God, being baptized in those waters to create a place where you and I could do just what He did and begin to follow Him. And the Holy Spirit says, I want some of this. I want to be a part of this moment. And He comes down in the form of a dove and He lights there onto Jesus Christ. And the Father says, that's my boy. And man, I love him. Man, I am proud of him. What He just did right there... Stamp of approval. Man, the whole Holy Trinity is there on that moment. That example given for you and I to follow. I don't know about you folks, but I don't want to kind of do what Jesus did. I want to do exactly what Jesus did. I want to do something that gets the whole Holy Trinity to have a party. Amen? And in that what we see right there. Now, not only does the New Testament give us an example, but folks, the New Testament gives us a word. And that word has a meaning. The word baptism. Baptism. The word baptism in the Greek language, and by the way, when you say baptism, you're basically saying a Greek word, it's baptizo, and and that word literally means to immerse and to identify with. Now now think about the word immerse, that that means to go under, right? To go under the water. In the the Greek language, they use that word a lot for ships. You you know, when you get a ship that's got a hole in it, where's it going to end up? On the bottom of the ocean. In the English language, we say that is a sunken ship. In the Greek language, they would say that is a baptized ship. That's their concept of what baptism means. That's the word that was brought into the New Testament, folks. That's what's happening to our lives. We are being sunk. We are being immersed into the water. But now I want you to watch how the word immerse and the word identify come together. I want you to watch how God takes this physical act and He combines it with a symbolic meaning And how that works in our lives. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 6? Romans chapter 6. Last verse we're going to turn to. Go back to the right. If you've been here the last year, you ought to find Romans pretty quickly. Romans chapter 6. Back through Acts and then Romans. Romans 6 and we're going to look at verse 1 to 4. Now every time I read the word baptism, I want you to realize that word, you could read the word immerse. But in this case, here's the wild thing. You can also read the word identify. The word has two different meanings. God has chosen this word to create this event, this starting point for, for you and I in following Christ. And both meanings of the word work right here. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may, mul- may multiply? Now, folks, it, what, what Paul's addressing in these four verses is not a new believer this is not about coming to faith in christ this is not about starting our walk with christ this is for those who've already come to faith those who are already in the midst of that walk and and that's a lot of us in here right and we have found in our walk with christ i don't know about y'all but i'm still tempted to sin periodically how about you yeah that's still out there well man i've been forgiven and i've got grace does it matter if i sin and that's just the question that was asked right there. Hey, now I'm in Christ. I've been forgiven. I've got grace. So, so how's this sin thing work? Is that okay? Look at verse two. Absolutely not. Does anybody need a Greek interpretation of that? Now, don't you love it when people say there's a lot of interpretations of the Bible? Really, how many ways would you interpret? Can you still sin? Absolutely not. Not a lot of interpretations there. Now watch this. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized, we were immersed in water, we were sunk in that water into Christ Jesus, but you could also read it, but those of us who were identified with Christ were identified into his death. You see, how the word has two meanings and both of them work right here. Verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new life. You see, folks, what baptism is is not just a meaning of a word. It is a picture of what has happened in your life and in my life. Now, going through those waters is not what saves us. We're saved before we go into those waters. We're saved when we confess our faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Him is my life. In Him is my salvation. In Him is my forgiveness. That's when we're born again. But then we go through those waters as a profession of that faith, and we show the world a picture of something. What happens when we go down underwater? Do you see why this is important? We're identifying with His death, we're dying. Randy Hahn entered those waters and when he got in those waters, there was a picture of Randy Hahn dying to sin, dying to self. We buried Randy Hahn. And up he came, a new life, a new person in Jesus Christ to walk for Christ. No longer enslaved to sin, that part of him was buried, but now enslaved to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Now watch what happens here, folks. Because a lot of us, man, we get baptized For some of us, that might have been recent. I would imagine for a lot of us, that was years ago, if not decades ago. That's just a long memory from back there, right? Yeah, I was baptized. I went through that religious ceremony. I went through that religious event. But what Paul's talking about here is that as I go through those waters, it's to have an ongoing meaning in my life for me 30 years later. 30 years later, when I'm walking through the course of a week and I'm tempted to sin, it is my baptism that is to remind me as I'm tempted to go toward that sin, hey, wake up, stupid! Randy, you can't live to that sin. You can't give thought to that sin. You can't let that sin come to life in your life. Why? Because you died and were buried. Don't you remember, Randy? That's what Paul's saying right there. Remember when you were baptized? You were died and buried. And what was resurrected was not a person alive to sin, but a person alive to Jesus Christ. Folks, our baptism is to have ongoing meaning in our lives. And do you see now? By the example, by the meaning, by the motivation, how baptism gets completely lost on an infant. And baptism gets completely lost on unbelievers just going through religious ceremonies. It, it, it has no meaning now. An infant can't look back on their baptism, an infant can't look back on their decision. Now, folks, let me tell you something. We love infants around here, don't we? We do, right? Somebody, thank you, one person, me and you, we love babies. Yeah, we love children. We want to see our children come to the Lord. We want to see our children grow in the Lord. You were here last week. We Dedication. Nine families brought babies. We dedicated them to the Lord. But it's that individual infant's decision. Sometimes as young as four or five years old, When they will go through those waters. Why? So that as they grow in the Christian life, they can look back on their baptism and remember, wait a minute, I died to that. I died to that. I can't give life to that sin. See, an infant and an unbeliever can get no meaning out of the word baptism. You say, unbeliever? Why would an unbeliever be baptized? I was. Matter of fact, folks, I got all the baptisms covered. Whatever way gets you in, I got it all covered. I was baptized as a baby, I was baptized as an unbeliever, and I was baptized as a believer. I, one of them's got, now, nah, you know I don't believe that, that, that philosophy, one of them's got to work. No, one of them worked. You say, what, what do you mean all those, bat-? yeah, I grew up Presbyterian. I know I'm a Southern Baptist pastor, but I know I did not grow up Southern Baptist through and through. I, I grew up Presbyterian, went to an all-boys Catholic high school. You figure that out. <laughs> no, but I was, I was baptized as, as an infant in the Presbyterian church, then my family, when I was in eighth grade, we ended up in a weird sort of way going to this Southern Baptist church. Remember my family, we're from the the Midwest, okay? We're not around all these Southern Baptist preachers turning beet red, sweating, and screaming all the time. It's very, very strange to us, but you know what? We heard the gospel of Jesus in there. And, and so my family walked down. We came down an aisle. We told the pastor what was happening. We were taken back here and we were counseled. It wasn't in this church, but it was the same exact setup. And when I went back there, they asked me some questions. And I said yes to every one of them. And I meant it. I wasn't lying. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, sure I do. Do you believe He died on the cross for sins? Absolutely. you believe He's been resurrected? I sure do. And I was lost as a ball and tall weeds answering every one of those questions. Yes, I believed. I believed Jesus was the Son of God, believed the Bible, believed the church. I believed all that stuff. That is what I gave mental acknowledgement to. Got to believe something, right? Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. Sounds as good as anything. Sounds as good as the next story. I did believe it. But there had not been a place in my life where I looked at Jesus and said, You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. For me, for my sins, you died. It was two years later. Now, I, when I went down there with that and went with my family and my whole family, we went up there and we were baptized, but I was lost. So two years later, when I came to faith in Christ and it became my personal faith and my personal decision, I then took on believer's baptism. Baptism. It's as a believer, only as a believer does it have its worth, its value and a meaning. Only as a believer can you look back on it and receive the motivation that it was meant to be in our lives. Folks, Matthew chapter 28, the end of the ver- at the end of the chapter, end of that gospel, verses 18 to 20, gives us what we call the great what? The great commission. Here's the commission on your life. Here's why you exist on this planet. You are to leave here today. You are to go out into the world. Go as far as it will carry you. And you are to tell people about Jesus Christ and lead them to the place of becoming followers of Him. And when one says yes, you bring them back to your church and you get them. What does Jesus say? Baptized. Baptized is the front door. Baptized is the entrance. Bring them into the life of the church. Bring them into that Acts chapter 2 church where we will be devoted to one another. Bring them to be baptized. That's why you're on the... You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. You might do it as a married person or as a single person. You might do it as a poor person or as a rich person. You might do it as a very happy person. You might do it as an unhappy person. You might do it very healthy and strong. You might do it very feeble and weak. The adjectives that describe us are mostly irrelevant. You are to do one thing, and that is to tell people about Christ. Bring them to baptism and into His church. That's why we're on this planet this week. Now, here's this big door. Baptism. How are we to do that, God? How are we to baptize people? If I'm following the example that Jesus gave, how are we going to do that? If we're gonna go by the meaning of the word, how are we going to do that? If we're gonna go by the motivation that it is to have in the Christian life, how and when are we going to do that? And folks, I just picked out three passages. Every single passage in the New Testament supports this. Did you know there's not a single verse, not a single phrase that shows us an infant being baptized? There's not a single phrase that shows us people coming into the church and going through a religious ceremony and now they're members, but there's been no real profession of faith. It is for the believer that this has been given. How are we to do that? You say, well, are you saying that if I was baptized an infant and I sinned? No, of course you didn't sin. Or are you saying my parents sinned? No, I'm not saying your parents sinned. I am saying that for whatever the reason might have been, I think you probably ended up in a way that was less than what God described in His Word. And that is the goal, God's Word, isn't it? Our goal is not to get to where the church wants me. The goal is to get to where God's Word wants me. And God's Word has made that very clear. Were you saying if I was baptized as an infant or I came to faith after I was baptized, maybe even older, you say I should be baptized again? Absolutely, why not? Why would you not want the opportunity to say, I've died to sin and I live to God? Why would you not want to say, Man, I'm studying God's Word and God's Word's been clear and I don't want to kind of do what Jesus did. I want to do exactly what Jesus did. Folks, I believe it's as important today as it has ever been that you and I come to Christ and join His church just like they did in the New Testament. Now, when I say that phrase, it's as important today, I'm not trying to imply that it was not as important yesterday. It wasn't as important 10 years ago. I'm saying that because of what we see happening in the United States of America. October 9th, 2012, a little over a week and a half ago. It was reported in USA Today. They were doing an article on Pew Research. Pew Research has done a multi-year research project of what is happening in the lives of Americans with religious affiliation. And they determined that the second largest religious group now in the United States, get this, the second largest Religious group in the United States. But even more importantly that, the number one fastest growing. Do you know how they measure religious affiliation? By decades. Because it moves that slow. They're now measuring this by every three years. Because it's moving so fast. The fastest growing religious affiliation. You say, well, what is it? Nuns. Nuns. No, no, not the gals in black and white. Not, not, not N-U-N. None. N O N E. Answering this question, with what religion do you affiliate with? One out of five Americans. None, and the fastest growing group in America. Do you know what produced that, folks? The church. You say, boy, you sure have been down on the church a lot lately. Elections, loud down there. It has. Because what we've seen happening in the last 20, 30, maybe 40 years, but I think it's more like 20 or 30 years, what we've seen happening in the church is the same thing we see happening in America. We're just not real high on commitment, are we? Don't like to sign my name to things. Don't like to give my information. I like to kind of keep things loose, be able to move in and out as I need to, get what I want and get out. I mean, there's no reason for all the formality There's no reason for all the contracts. You know, young people, today don't even have that concept of buying eight CDs for a penny and then buying 10 more for $400 the next 10 years. (laughs) Y'all remember? Those were the good old days, weren't they? Some of you had like nine memberships going at a time because you were getting all that stuff for a penny. You know what? It doesn't work today. You know why? Because no American will sign to that. I don't want a commitment that I have to keep up with. Well, guess what? We carried that right into the church. And so we've got this concept now of doing church. I don't need to be known. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be connected. And we've had a very loose commitment. Guess what, folks? Loose commitment does not breed loose commitment. Loose commitment breeds no commitment. Loose affiliation does not continue to breed loose affiliation. Loose affiliation breeds no affiliation. So we've gone through about two or three decades as Americans of saying, I don't really need to be connected to the church. And the generations are coming behind us saying, I don't even need to know Christ, period. We don't need a loosey-goosey, kind of, sort of, yeah, I do that sometimes, faith in Christ and in His church. Now I don't believe a person comes forward to faith in Christ for their friends and neighbors and kids and country. You have to do that for yourself. But folks, if you proclaim that you have that faith, then I would absolutely say your friends and your neighbors and your family and your kids and your nation needs to see a church that stands up and say, I believe He is the Christ. I believe He is the Son of the living God. And I'm going to take steps to do just what he did, starting at the very first step. He gave me not a denomination, not a church, but the very first step that Jesus gave me to take in those waters of baptism. There are people in here today who need to take that step. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you today. I don't don't do this very much. Don't go home and pray about it. Don't go home and think about it. Folks, when God's word has spoken, God's word has spoken. And when it's time to move, it's time to move. And there are some in here today that you're not connected to a church. You might be a member somewhere, it might be in this city, it might be in another state, but you're not going to that church anymore. You're not connected to that church anymore. And you're connected here. You've been coming here for a a significant amount of time, whatever that might be. For some of you, it might be three Sundays. For others, it might be three months. But you've been coming here. You know what's here. It's time to join. It's time to plant your flag and say, I'm belonging. I want to do what they did in Acts 2. I want to be a part of the devoted. Devoted to one another. Devoted to growing in that confession of faith. If you're not connected to His church, take that step today and get connected Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for a long time. You've been members of different churches, but you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. You know that you're you're real being born again. You're real genuine confession of faith. You've had no baptism to follow that. Man, let's let today be the day that you put that in the order that Christ, your Savior, gave you. Christ, the Messiah, gave you. Come forward and say, man, I'm a believer. I've been a believer, but I need to follow in believer's baptism by immersion. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, "I have not done any of this. <laughs> I've not confessed my faith. I've not been baptized. I've I've not been a member of a church anywhere. I, I want to become a follower of Christ. I, I, I hear you reading this. I see those passages. I need the gospel. I, I need that new life in Christ. I want to come forward and confess my faith. I, I want to come forward and follow Him in baptism." Maybe you're here today and you don't know any of this. You're saying, "I got questions." I've got questions about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Questions about what it means to be a a member of this church. Come forward. And we're not going to force you to do anything. That would go against everything Scripture says. There's no pressure on you to do something. If you've got questions, let's see if we can answer those questions. And you can act on them if you like the answers. You can go home and think on them if, if you need to. If you can say, I think your answers are stupid, you can walk away. But if you have questions, let's deal with them. Folks, our nation your friends, your family. They don't need to see us being vague anymore. And they don't need to see kind of, sort of. They need people who say, I belong to Christ. And I belong to His church. And I've been baptized to live out that faith. I'm going to say a prayer. When I say amen, I want you to come forward. Come forward. Matter of fact, I want your prayer right now to be this. God, would you let my moving be an encouragement to somebody else? Somebody else may be sitting on the fence, not sure, wondering, hurting, striving, agonizing over this. God, I pray that my getting up and going will be an encouragement to them. You, I know what I need to do, God. May I act on it and may my acting on it be an encouragement to somebody else. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. We're going to stand and sing. And you come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that your spirit would move through this room. And God, would you tell them. Speak to them. Lord, I don't want them responding to my voice. That's insignificant. I want them responding to your voice. Holy Spirit, may they hear you telling them you need to be saved. Holy Spirit, may they hear you telling them you need to be baptized. Holy Spirit, would you tell them you need to join the church? You know you're going here. You know you belong here. You know this is what I have for you. God, may we be a people who take our stand. May we not be a vague kind of sort of people, but may we be that Acts 2 church. Devoted. A significant them. And Lord, I pray that right now in this moment you would add to the them. God, tell them right now to come forward. May it be your voice and your invitation that they're responding to. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.